table. Here we are. A trusty piece of furniture. There's an empty chair for you listening. Thank you for joining us. My name is Joe Hilliard, and you're listening to Dinner Table Talks. And my partner in crime is always... Aislinn Campbell. You look lovely today. I do? I'll be honest with you. It's been so humid that my hair, my red hair, is like all twisted up and wound up and frizzed out and all I, kinds I of... I see zero frizz and zero winding. Aw, thank you. You look gorgeous. You're always fun to have around at the dinner table because you never know where the conversation's going. Never. I don't think you ever know where the conversation's going when I'm involved in the conversation, period. I want to crap on myself a little bit. <laughs> that, that's a new weird fetish. <laughs> You don't take things so literally at the dinner table, Aislinn. <laughs> I do this thing, and then I say I'm never going to do it again, and then I do it again. And that is that when we're here at the dinner table, I, you help me describe it. I punctuate, I come across bombastically at my voice. And the best example last week was when I said the words photojournaled, and there's like extra <laughs> syllables and this fake. Thing. I believe that that comes from our college experiences. What media communications was when we were in college and being trained to do communications. And for me, it might have even started ahead of that because I was in stage theater programs since true. I was six years old. Talk to the back of the room. And so, then here's the other one. And that is that we were both mascots. And that's what they teach you. When they teach you to be a good mascot at all of the best camps, they're literally saying... It has to be big. You have to be as big and as loud as possible, but you literally can't talk. I learned to talk with my hands, gestures, yeah. my arms, expression. But you're right. In college, I had a radio program, mm -hmm. and you try to overcompensate for not having one of those voices, you know. Newscaster voice. Right. And then yeah. when I got the radio program here in Corpus Christi, I was sitting with two guys. One of them was British. So how do you argue with that awesome voice? And then the other <laughs> one is a fantastic vocal broadcaster. And I would find myself slipping into the, that. <laughs> but that's not how I talk when we're at the dinner table. Maybe it is it? Sometimes it is. But you know what? One of the things I've always told you since the very, very beginning of our relationship is I really like your radio voice. I like your radio voice. But it comes across stupid sometimes. <laughs> When I'm listening back to our episode. Well, especially if you listen to the episodes where like, for whatever reason, I was in the dumps and oh, I was yeah. talking I'm trying about to this. And you're like, you up. <laughs> you're like, so Aislinn. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, Joe. And when we come to this dinner table, it's just the two of us. And I'm imagining that I'm also trying to like fill up the room when it's just the two of us. Yes. Agreed. You're trying to fill up the room. But and that I was think... never the intention of the show. From the very beginning, it was pull up a chair. Pull you up a chair. listening right now are sitting at our dinner table with us. Well, and the other thing that anyone that's ever sat down to dinner with us or hanging out in the backyard or at the farmer's market or whatever, that Aislinn and Joe... Mm. We talk, man. We own the room. We own 75% when we're only welcome to uh, 50%. And it's or not 25%. attractive to 100% <laughs> of the people that you might be in the room with. Sure, sure. I, I was thinking the other day, I was like, I wonder how many times we've been sitting in a situation, because I recognize that I do this sometimes too, but I wonder how many times we've been sitting at the table with people. And when we left, we felt so appreciated by that person, but then that person never invited us back again. <laughs> 
because in the moment you are appreciative and I get it because we do the same thing. We're like, oh, we're very appreciative of those people and we love them. And, and then when we backtrack on what happened in the situation, they talked the entire time. And there was no room for anyone else to talk. And oh, while anytime I appreciate... that, that happens with me, I don't find it attractive at all. And then I know <laughs> that I do it all of the time. I mean, I think I'm doing it right now. How many times, I know that I do it, how many times <laughs> have we gone to a dinner party or a double date and on our way there, I'm like, my goal is to not talk at all. Right. I want to consume 0% of the conversation oxygen in the room because I know that given my own devices, I will take 90% of it. And then since you're a 90% taker, that's me and you uh -huh. battling for all of the conversation oxygen when there's two, four, six, eight other people there as well that would like their fair share. Yeah, and if you throw us all in, Jameson's all hanging out together, we all just yell louder so that we can all be heard our portion, our time. And then how many times on the <laughs> way home from that same dinner party or whatever it is, have I said, damn it, I did it again. Uh -huh. I know that I did. Well, Poor to Beth, ask yourself to be... Whoever didn't get one word in edgewise. Right. Yeah. To ask yourself to be completely quiet, the, the extreme of that is not realistic either. And, and here's the thing. People that know us, they don't know anything different. Sometimes, I assume, if I believe... If I don't speak, something must be wrong. Right. And also, I think that some people probably appreciate it and use it to their advantage in that, gosh, we can just chill out and enjoy the entertainment of the Joe and Ace show because we don't have to if it's an I think there's a little show, I think there's a little bit of both. Situations. I think there's a little bit of both. There's there's people I think about a lot when I think about that, like our very quiet friends. Are, I'm thinking oh, of somebody right now. They do show up and mm -hmm. they they invite us and they show up and I think that they appreciate it when we stop and go, Oh yeah, by the way, what did you have to say about that? Mm. You know? And so ultimately that and along with the pandemic and not being able to bring more guests in, I think that we're trying to circle back around to the idea. And this is why I have said, please engage. Please True. you're at the dinner table with us mm -hmm. and we want to hear your voice. And if we continue to just be the only voices in the conversation, then everything we say is right to us. So how do you engage? Well, there's opportunities for leaving us voicemails on Anchor. Mm -hmm. Anchor has that ability. There's lots of places where you can review. Definitely engage with us on Facebook. Engage with us on Instagram. Send us private messages where we will pick those up and engage in those. And When I reflect on some of the conversations at the dinner table that we'll have here today, there may be some disagreements folks that want to tell us that we're right or wrong or wrong yeah. yeah yeah and please do and i'm learning how to process criticism in a better way one of the things that has been a part of our relationship two strong personalities that don't really hear the criticism too well mm -hmm. criticizing one another you know learning... will you criticize me i'm going to prove you're wrong Right. But that's yeah. not the way to do it because you're probably right. Yeah. So we want to hear from you. We want to engage in stories. We want you to come to the dinner table in all the different ways that are available to come to the dinner table. As figuratively as possible, you are sitting next to us right now. That's how we imagine what's happening. Yep. Thank you for being here. We appreciate it. <clears throat> so yeah, you talked about that meme last week. You know, what you could do is get 150 people, buy yourself a tract of off-grid land yes. and make your own yes. rules and live your own life. So then immediately there are those logical thinkers. And oftentimes, not saying that this is across the board all of the time, but when you're in your masculine power, which means men generally are very logical. 
And so you started thinking about, well, like, what if people steal? And what are the rules? And and what if they fight the binary wars and all of that? And I, there's a part of me that just wants to cut that out. Like, well, you're not welcome. You were very vocal. In you're that. not welcome. If you're going to... How you're can gonna... I not be welcome? I mean, is this the end of Dinner Table Talks? Is this the end of J-Hack as we know it? I mean, I'd like to be involved. You can be involved. Of course you can be involved. But if I'm creating... A world with 150 people or 150 worlds with 150 people in it. I'm going to create in my imagination and my goals of having this beautiful whatever it is, the most idealistic thing that I can create. And it doesn't include people stealing from me. And it doesn't include the idea that like, oh, well, technically the law is blah, 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 blah. I don't give a shit about the law. That's not where my like, a, imagination is growing. It's, it's a mind exercise to create ways to do it differently than anything that we know exists. So, all of that other stuff is so small minded. In my idealistic world, it's bigger than you could ever imagine. And in fact, you couldn't even talk it down because you can't imagine what exists because it doesn't exist. And most people haven't seen it either. This utopian, idealistic... We're growing as, our own food. As We're I even said, thing. the yeah, yeah, peace, love, hippie, you know, even that creates a negative image in a lot of people's minds, including mine. I think that we are going to be discussing this for a while. Yeah, and let's... And it sounds like you need me... To set aside what exactly? My masculine mind? Boil it down for me. You know me better if, than anybody. If we're going to talk about in that kind of masculine feminine power, it's just balancing that out. Because in my idealistic world, we have a very, very good balance of masculine feminine that encompasses everyone and all. Every person has within them masculine and feminine powers. And the group within it has masculine and feminine powers. And the laws that we create are masculine and feminine. And the yin and the yang is very balanced. And I love that. That's what I want. Balancing the yin and the yang. But I don't understand how my reaction to the concept that there will have to be a set of guiding principles so that everyone's on the same page before they show up. Do I retrain my mind away from that? Or do you hear me and we discuss that in a different manner? Well, I think that everyone has to be heard. I think that you cut yourself out hmm. naturally when you don't grow with. Allow the mind to expand past the principles that we mm -hmm. think already. Mm -hmm. And if you're already creating, especially a when those principles aren't working, which is that my doesn't point. match. Yeah. Like when you're when you're when the bubble inside your mind that you're creating doesn't match the bubble inside my mind that I'm creating, then our bubbles won't meet. So in order for our bubbles to meet. We have to be in alignment with the same desires, wants, and dreams, and images, and all of that kind of stuff. And so, that I mean, this is a this is a lot of what we've been talking about about just how we move forward together as a as a couple. How I welcome not Ron Johnson back to the podcast, oh. but Joe Hilliard mm. comes to the podcast. He left with his tail tucked between his legs. <laughs> well, I look forward to future conversations about this. Will you do me a favor and just simply repeat back to me in maybe some kind of exotic accent? Welcome pause to freedom harvest island welcome to freedom harvest island <laughs> i don't even know what that was that's where i was going <laughs> it is now time for that part of the show where joe is convinced that we need a gong and i'm convinced that we need a new thing and since we don't have a gong it's now time for whatever joe has created well you didn't like last week's option you suggested we do some bird calls <laughs> 
so I've got a few things for us to listen to, and you tell me if we're on the right track or if I need to move in a different direction, okay? Okay. I'm going to start with the greater prairie chicken. This is a wild chicken that lives in the middle of the country from top to bottom and up into Canada. Mm-hmm. Listen to this majestic bird call. Tell me if you think it works. <laughs> Unanswered questions. Oh my god, I kind of love that. Oh, you do like I it? I like the oh, tropics good. a little bit. Good. I like the tropic bird. That sounds kind of like Aislinn, right? Okay. A little bit. Maybe some forest music <laughs> underneath. We can, okay, put a little yeah. more production into it. But you're, okay, I'm on the right track. Good, good. Now here's the second one. Now tell me what you think. Here we're going into the northeast part of the country and into Canada. It's the Atlantic puffin. Mm-hmm. Like a penguin, but with a better beak. That's creepy. Like, it sounds like a door, like, creeping open. I don't even know how... No, I don't like that one. I thought it was very flatulent and hilarious. (laughs) Flatulent? Oh, like a... Yeah, but we want to get serious. I don't like that at all. Have you ever heard of the Great Bustard? The Bustard? Like, Bastard, but with a U. Uh Uh-huh. I'm going into Europe and Asia, right? This is a bird that resides there. Uh Uh-huh. Beautiful bird call. I think we're on to something. No. What? No. That one sounds broken. Like like it like 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 it was going along and then something killed it in the middle of its scream and then just let out the rest. Sounds like it ate a bad egg. <laughs> got two more. You said you like woodpeckers. The idea of the woodpecker. That's what inspired you to go this direction. Uh-huh, okay. Here's uh-huh. natural woodpecker in its setting. Questions. That's gonna scare the shit out of everybody. You think Lily didn't like what the sound think? of the? You think Lily didn't like the sound of the? That is the one gong. Beautiful bird ding, 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 ding. that sounds just like that. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> okay, now but for, let's get serious. I'm goofing around. Here's a woodpecker that maybe you think might work out. Unanswered <laughs> questions. <laughs> huh? What do you, I like that actually. We, we might get sued if we use that one too many <laughs> I times. I like that one. That's witty. Okay, so you like the first one? I like the tropics. I've got some other ideas. I'm going to bring something to the table next week that mm-hmm. is a little more serious. Mm-hmm. Let's get mm-hmm. this one done. How about like some like voodoo-y sounds or some like magical sounds? Mystical sounds? Mystical sounds. Mm-hmm. Without even talking about it, we're just in complete synchronization on this one, I think. I like it when we're in synchronization. I like it when it's... Unanswered questions. Last week, Mikey was eating an egg from a snake that a snake had eaten. And as I was listening to it, I was like, this is definitely an unanswered question. How did early man learn what to eat and not to eat so as not to be killed or be sick? Yeah. This is a huge... I googled it. And was immediately both lost and amazed at how much interesting information. I think I'm going to order a couple of books on the subject because now I'm just curious. I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version. You're really going to order some books I, on the subject? I think so. It's fascinating. I mean, you got to put your imagination back two million years ago, you know, looking in search of food. Where these early humans were. They rarely moved around, especially if they found an environment that was pleasing. Mm-hmm. So they knew the flora and the fauna of their area through generational knowledge. Mm-hmm. And they did exactly as you suggested. There were Mikeys. 
And as they gradually moved into new lands, maybe they stumbled onto a plant and literally they'd eat small amounts of the berries or seeds or fruit or plants or animals at one time. And then if someone became violently ill or died, that particular item would be avoided in the future. It was just that simple. Mm -hmm. But generationally, there was learned behavior. Just like last week, we talked about how, you know, if you eat the cheap fast food and it makes you sick, but if your body is always sick all the time, then you don't really know that the food you're eating is what's actually making you sick. You just think, you know, oh yeah, I got diarrhea again, or oh yeah, I got heartburn again. But you had to, I mean, back then you had to know what Mm -hmm. your body felt like. You had to know this vomiting isn't the way my body just reacts to things because Mm -hmm. I've, you know, got heart disease. It's, I just ate something. We just ate something that made us sick. Every single article I read talked about the intense relationship between early man and earth and how we have lost that. Yeah. That this land that I'm inhabiting gives me things. Mm -hmm. It gives me water. It gives me nutrition. And that the earth creates abundant resources. Sure. That we've convinced ourselves sure. that the earth doesn't create abundant resources. Well, certainly but if we take care of those I'm resources. I'm sure that even back then there was that fight over resources. Someone found a berry bush that was a really, really good berry bush. Mm-hmm. And then they killed each other to keep them away from this berry bush. Right. You know? It's all mine. It's all mine. Yeah. What does one do when they look at the date on the milk and it's a couple days old? You smell it? You smell it. Yeah. That's the second part of it. Not just the learned behavior, but how nature helps us 95% of the time by just attracting or detracting our senses. Yeah. Like shit smells bad because you're not supposed to eat it. Rotten meat smells bad. <laughs> right. Don't eat that. Right. You can feel a fruit to see if it's ripe. There's some exceptions, coconut, pineapple, but I mean, nature... Well, you can't feel it. You can smell it. Like it definitely gives you signs. Bees are attracted to brightly colored flowers for a reason because brightly colored flowers have evolved into having the kind of pollen that the bees are after. So the bees can look for color and humans aren't really much different than that. Now, Usually, with rare exception, these colored berries are good and these colored berries are bad. Or this thorny bush is bad, you know, because the plant has created the defenses and the attraction for other species to enjoy it. But we have separated ourselves from that. You're right. We don't learn that kind of stuff. Our children don't learn that kind of stuff. You know, there's quite a few of us in today's world that are saying, yeah, we probably need a little bit of both. That balance, the yin and the yang. We probably need the machines, the online interfaces the being able to put a plug into the energy but we also probably need the natural order of things as well we need the connection to that type of mm-hmm. food and energy and you know the fresh air and the sunshine and the rem- the reminder that there is abundant resources on this earth it's a fascinating and topic and i hope we did it justice absolutely last week's episode we talked about the long distance sausage right and <laughs> Because I think a lot about this whole fast food concept, how big corporations have for the benefit of the shareholders, which is their job, really. I mean, you know, you can't be faulted for doing what you were intended to do, but that is to sell as much as we possibly can for as cheap as we possibly can. We have access to really cheap food. Will the boys up in college go after that kind of food or will they cook something at home if the price point per person is $7.50? I texted them and I asked, when you're really watching your budget, when you're trying to make the dollar last as much as possible, if you decide to eat out, how much money is too much money? And of course, depends on how tight it is. 
Mm-hmm. You know, at the beginning of the paycheck, we're going to maybe go out and eat a little bit more expensively than at the end of the paycheck when I'm literally coasting on fumes. Right. I don't have any gas in my car. To, I don't have any. I can't go get to the, I can't go get the food because there's no yeah, gas. There's in the no, yeah. The price point ranged from six to a maximum of $10. And then they of course had examples So over at I'm making this up Freddy's taco stand. You can get on Thursdays four tacos for like, you can tell they've kind of even begun to map out where those deals are. Sure. Of course they have. We posted this on Facebook. I took pictures of my the phone thread, and it got it's gotten a ton of great reaction, including people saying, "Well, Joe, you did buy the pre-grated cheese. Uh-huh. They could have saved a few more cents if you'd gotten the block of cheese, and they do the grating themselves." Yeah, yeah. Grating. I just did it again. The grating. grating. I don't say grating like that. <laughs> That's not how I speak. <laughs> They did the grating themselves. The grating. <laughs> Add a few more syllables on the end. And I err on the side of convenience a lot. I don't know if that's because I feel like I'm at a budget point to where I don't have to think about the few cents that I might be saving I if I get the block of cheese rather than the grated cheese. We've been conditioned as a society that convenience is more important than anything else. Mm-hmm. Someone, I read an article that said that grated cheese... The pre, like a bag that's pre-grated. Mm-hmm. If I grate cheese and put it in a Ziploc, mm-hmm. it's going to congeal mm-hmm. and almost try to re-absorb <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. in a way that those grated cheese bags don't. And they add an additive. Of course they do. I need to look. That's an unanswered question for next week. I want to... It it, I hate goes... these unanswered questions because I'm going to stop buying grated cheese after I learn the information. It goes bad faster. Like it gets mold because there's more surfaces for it to get mold on. So and they're putting cheese some, gets mold yeah. on there's a the open on it. surface. Yeah. You cut that one piece of mold off. Now you've got the rest of the block of cheese as opposed to a grated cheese. Yeah. And when I met you, like you have transitioned more of the convenience. You're the one cooking. But when we first came together and I was working on a very tight single mom budget, you know, trying to figure out my new pathway forward blocks of cheese were all we got because that was a super cheap and when when Cortland was a baby we were on wick you know and you got a block of cheese i I've, i'm that's i'm pretty used to that that doesn't bother me at all savannah texted me and said i would like to make fettuccine alfredo for everybody mm-hmm. and you're like there's a few rolls i well no <laughs> this is what i did immediately you want to cook and I don't have to? Yeah. Give me a recipe so that I can go to the grocery store for you and get you everything you need. I love the idea of people pitching in and cooking. That's fantastic. There's still some rules. What were the we rules? We use the best ingredients we can possibly find. And we use grain-free pasta. Mm-hmm. And it was very good, by the way. I would have appreciated us having the opportunity to actually sit down together. Yeah, there was, that was a hectic night. I can't remember why. There was a, a great salad. reason for her asking to cook. It was the night of the, um, the seed swap. And then oh, and yeah. it, was, it was a good night to have a kid cook because we didn't have to cook and right. food was ready. Mm-hmm. But we didn't get to enjoy our dinner together sure. because we didn't really have dinner together. Step one, make a chicken in my Instant Pot. Then you pull that chicken out and you pick it off the bone. Your bones are going to go back into the Instant Pot to make some broth with. But I gave her half of the chicken and said, go nuts. And she did it all herself. And you're right. It was wonderful. It was very good. I enjoyed it. Then I had half a chicken's meat worth to do something else with. Mm -hmm. And I was looking for something a little simple to do. I'll be honest with you. I mean, it turns out not to be simple the way that I end up doing it. But I said, hey, babe, how about some chicken noodle soup? I love chicken noodle soup. It's I one of my favorites. I know that you love chicken noodle and soup. And Lily loves chicken noodle soup. It's one of her favorites, too. It's so. a 
two pot meal on the way that I make my chicken. But after that, it's a one pot meal. And you just take all those things that you know and love in chicken noodle soup, your celery, your garlic, your onion, your carrots. But in our house, there was a couple of squash that were laying around that needed to be done something with. It's winter squash season. Not because we're harvesting winter squash, but because there's nothing other than okra and basil coming out of the gardens right now. Maybe a little bit of eggplant here and there. And so you're going back to the winter squash that you stored away from the summer harvests. So yeah, we're we're starting to use some of our winter squash now. So chicken Fall foods. Yeah, it's even though it's difficult still, to get a piping hot bowl of soup when it's 115 degrees outside. If you don't live in the southern part of Texas right now, then you don't know. Our September is like a sauna. It's bad. And, and this is that point in the year when it's like you're coming to the end of the summer, that the dry, arid summer, and now the rains are starting to come, but the, the heat is still here, and you are literally praying to God for that cold front that will dry the air out a little bit. Hence your frizzy red hair. Yes, exactly. So after you get your onion softened, throw in the garlic, then you just go ahead and you add the broth. Now that's the broth that I had made the last time that I did a chicken, most likely, that I've stored in my garage freezer. Then you add your rest of your vegetables, always the bay leaves. You pick those. I said, honey, will you get some bay leaves for me? Go outside, (laughs) clip your bay leaves, come on in. And then some thyme. And then you bring that to a boil and then reduce it to a simmer. 30 minutes, you're just trying to get the vegetables softened. Then what I did this time, five minutes before that timer was up, was throw the chicken meat in. Then when the timer went off, I threw in your grain-free noodles. Mm-hmm. put the lid on, turn the heat off, and then just went back to check it every five minutes or so when the noodles were ready, dinner was ready. That was a delicious pot of chicken noodle soup. It was. I didn't like those noodles for it, though. You didn't like those noodles. Yeah, that's were a limitation hard. that you're putting on the party, is this grain-free thing. No, uh, the last time you made chicken noodle soup, no, you used the edamame noodles. I liked those. Like those are better. the ones I like. Okay. Yeah. Well, the edamame noodles are really, really good in chicken noodle soup. Note taken. I will put that note on my Pinterest recipe board, which is growing and flourishing, which makes me very happy. Hey, Aislinn. What? This is the part of the show where we quickly talk about all the different ways that you can support and get to know us better. Of course, you can go over to Aislinn Campbell's YouTube channel. What would I see there? Well, you can see the Voices for Wellness webcast. Yeah, I'm very proud of you for this one. It's good. I have four episodes up. It's fantastic. You can also see my weekly Sunday in the garden. Lots of me cooking with things from the backyard. And then if you're just so into Dinner Table Talks that you want to throw a couple dollars in our tip jar, you go to our website, www.dinnertabletalks.com, and click the support button. And it supports us. Quick, easy, on with the show. On with the show. So over the last few episodes, this topic has come up a couple times. I've Mm. loved that this topic somehow got entered in. Yeah, moral. It was a table topics question that's turned into a thing. Yeah, the concept is morals versus ethics. And I think for us who don't talk about politics on this podcast, but always talk about politics. I don't talk about (laughs) politics on this show. I'm not going to do it today. Right. Everyone in America right now, in some form or fashion, is facing an election that's coming. And all that comes with that. There are signs up in your town. And for me, one of the things that I have always said that bothered me was when politicians led by moral majority, moral decisions, like their morals were worthy of creating laws because their morals are the right morals. That always bothered me. So when the conversation came up a few weeks ago, 
where there was some definitions about ethics. What is ethics? And then we started talking about codes of ethics. And I was like, okay, so a school creates a code of ethics that it then gives to its kids and asks its kids, or, or a teacher for that matter. Let's just narrow it down even to one classroom. These are our code of ethics for this classroom. And these are the code of ethics that I have put in place and I would like you to follow. And if you don't follow these code of ethics, then these are the punishments. Morals is different because morals is like a grander, bigger set of values and systems. Well, it's also very subjective. And it depends on what you believe about higher self and God and, you know, what are your theological background? You know, what is all that? That, The morals are tied into a different set of rules. Well, ethics for a school, it's a great example, are devised by the school board. Mm -hmm. And they're to be administered broadly across every school. If a teacher comes in and says, I'm going to be running this class, sure, through the ethics that were given to me by the school system, but also I'm going to put an extra layer of morality that I'm bringing to the room Mm -hmm. that these students didn't subscribe to, ask for, then you can have problems. Yeah, a good example of a moral thing that I think was weird that I was very surprised about is that really popular in our city is Selena. Selena's very sure, popular. Of course. She, right? she was raised here. She's a pride of Corpus Christi. Pride we all love Corpus Selena. Christi. Exactly. Gone before her time. And I grew up with a, some connections to Selena. And so my daughter has gotten really into Selena. Selena's become real popular, like super extra popular with the new generation. Mm-hmm. And Selena wore her belly showed mm-hmm. and she her tops were bra tops, but they were like spangled, awesome, yeah. spangled, mm-hmm. and you know, whatever. So Lily, my daughter, had a selena shirt on that she had bought with her own money and she wore it to school and they told her she couldn't wear it to school a photograph on a t-shirt of selena's belly and it was such a weird moral situation to me i was like how is that bad how is the queen of corpus christi selena right being in her onstage costume Mm -hmm. not in a negligee from her bedroom that's not what she was wearing she was bitty bitty dumb dumb (laughs) bitty bitty dumb dumb and even during my campaign for mayor one of the things that was pointed out to me by someone was well you know she's liberal she has a nose ring and i was like that that was said on local talk radio it was literally said Mm -hmm. and i was like those two things aren't connected there are literally countries where the king or the queen has a nose ring in their nose probably very conservative right Exactly. And so that doesn't have one doesn't one doesn't lead to the other. And so that is like your moral, what you've created in your mind of what is morally Your opinion correct. about tattoos and piercings and all of that have now bled into your inaccurate representation of an individual based on appearance. Well, here's where we go back to the demoralizing, which was the original where this came from, which was a table topic. Is our country becoming more demoral? Right? No, it was uh, are the country's ethics in decline. But they use the word de... Devolution. Oh, devol... Okay. So that's where you get into that concept of is more people with tattoos causing devolution of our country's morals, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's garbage. Like I just... The color of your hair doesn't make or break the type of politician you're going to be, you know, or that you have a tattoo. I don't think tattooing anything makes you moral or immoral, right? Tattooing is a great example because it's one of those things where it's like we're devolving, right? So then this last week, someone posted a meme 
about one of our local politicians. And I trust that you've got these similar conversations in some form or another in your own town. Correct. So yeah, this isn't about the person or the persons. This is about the concept, right? right? And all of the times I have outright loudly questioned politicians locally, it almost always has to do with their moral authority. That they're trying to prescribe onto the population. Correct. Okay. Absolutely. And when it comes to the fact that your bubble, you know, what's the size of your bubble? Because if your bubble's really small, and their bubbles tend to be pretty small. Sure. If your bubble's really small, then you don't know that outside of your bubble, that's not even conservative or liberal. Right. It's neither. It's, it's All just, of the made-up words. It doesn't matter. It's just what it is, right? Mm-hmm. There is, in our city, much like many other larger metropolitan cities around the country, a gay pride parade. Yeah. Happens every year. We have attended, I think, every single one. The biggest problem I have with that particular event is that they do it at 3 o'clock in the afternoon in June or July. It's very, very hot. And I'm like, dude, it's too hot to be doing this right now. (laughs) So, as you can imagine, like you might have National Red Cross Week or National Diabetes Awareness Week. Mm -hmm. There was a proclamation given to our county officials where this local officials sat at the time as a county official of let's make it gay pride week. One of the options is if you are morally opposed to that, that you just sit it out, that you just don't speak, that you maybe even vote against it if that's the way that you're going to lead and this is the way this person leads. The other thing that you can do is grandstand to similar moral people in your bubble that you need to impress for whatever reason and say out loud on local news, quote, look, guys, you have a right to your beliefs and I do too. And just because you're the LGBT, whatever it's called, community, does not mean that I have to suck it up and support it. So now that you're running for citywide office and you want to put all those fancy slogans on your billboards and stuff that say vision for all, mm-hmm. no, no, there's not. And that is because your moral compass, and I'm not even, I'm not even here to say that she's right or she's wrong, although you can probably guess how I feel about it. Your moral compass has excluded your constituency, a portion thereof, forever. And you said it out loud. Mm -hmm. And that's why leading by moral rather than a community ethic, because here's the thing. We are a country that is a rule of law. We are a city of laws. Mm -hmm. If no one is breaking the law, then everyone should be free to do it. Take LGBT out of it and insert anything else in. Nose rings. Nose rings, etc. And this works. If you're sitting there listening, thank you for being here today. You're you're here at the table with us right now. And if you're saying good on her for doing that from her podium, that only works until a different leader comes after you for your thing because it doesn't jive with their morals. Mm -hmm. So I like politicians that apply a community-wide ethic. And the way that you get a community-wide ethic is I would love to have seen this politician have the guts to say, and therefore it should be illegal. So I'm going to go after that. I'm going to make a law stating that this thing that I'm clearly morally opposed to should be illegal. And that's when you'll find out what the community really thinks community-wide about Mm -hmm. this or any other topic. Mm Mm-hmm. And the reason why the moral versus ethic became a thing and why I said, oh, we need to talk about this on the podcast is because you put it up and you looked at it and you said, here on this banner are the words ethics twice. Ethics and ethical is on here twice. She doesn't know the definition of the word. I'm not making fun of her. She doesn't know the definition of ethics. Yep. Because you individually never get to prescribe ethics. That's Mm -hmm. a community. It's good for the whole society. 
morals. You're free to have whichever ones you want and to exercise them personally as long as you don't break the law. Yep. And it's just something that matters to us. It matters to us how you speak about inclusivity each, matters your constituency, to me. all of your constituency, I may, all of your constituency, especially when you say, I take care of all of my constituency. No, you don't. I'm going to stop you <laughs> before we move from a global concept to a very local concept. If we haven't done that already, the only difference between one and the other is, is that one is a good politician. He's been doing it a real long time and he knows what not to say. And she's just buying her way in. Oh, yeah. It's no secret that we love Indian food. Mm -mm. It was time to think about dinner on Labor Day. Yes. When there were no kids here. I revisited the masala that I made in season one, episode 51, just three episodes ago. That's where you can find the recipe and how I tortured Aislinn by building slowly mm -hmm. this Indian mm -hmm. sauce that the aromas and the flavors are drifting through the house. You said it a couple episodes ago, we're studying Indian food. And I had just made a masala, but I wanted to make it again to make it better. And so what I did this time was add paneer cheese. So I had to go to the Middle Eastern deli, which was a lot of fun always. And you brought me some little snacks. I did. They're so good. I love them. Exotic grain-free snacks. They're so good. I love them. They're spicy and delicious. And then I got the idea, of, I don't even know why, of putting some chickpeas in there. I love chickpeas. And you made the chickpeas on the Instant Pot because you kept saying something about canned chickpeas. And I was like, why are you making I canned chickpeas? I forgot that I had recently made some chickpeas in the Instant Pot. It's really easy. For hummus. But then you said anything you can do with some of those winter squash that are in there. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, the masala has a sweet to it. Mm -hmm. What if I just added some butternut squash puree? Mm -hmm. What would happen? You just cut that butternut squash in half long ways, face down, put it in your oven, 375, 400 for 35 minutes or so, and it comes out ready to scoop out the guts, stick it in the food processor, whiz, whiz, whiz. And now you've got butternut squash puree. Did you find a recipe for that or you just did that on your own? I just did that on my own. Oh, good job, you. Look at you. Look at you growing up. I'm so proud of you. I'm an amazing home chef. You Why are. do you have different expectations? Well, because you 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 are sometimes you get afraid to to stretch and to try. Well, I wasn't afraid today. It was Labor Day with nothing else to do. It was perfect. <laughs> 125 degrees outside. Let's right. stay inside and make some Indian food. <laughs> but we did do the thing where when it's all coming together, I'm bringing you a spoonful every five ten minutes. Mm -hmm. And you said it needs more heat. More heat. And then I said, can I add some more garam masala? Do you think this needs more tomato puree? And then finally, okay, I'm putting in the butternut squash. I put in half of what I'd prepared. Mm -hmm. Let it cook for five minutes or so. You tasted it. Nope, put the rest in there. Mm -hmm. I did. And it was a perfect compliment. It was really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, lo I loved that you're getting adventurous with learning how to use the butternut squash because I'm hoping to have a lot more different types of pumpkins and winter squash and things like that. And I'm always going to encourage you to buy them from the farmer's market. Well, and there's two big ones in there. Mm -hmm. And so let's just say coming soon, some butternut squash soup. Something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, there's so many things that you can make with squash that we just don't really think about. And I care very much about making sure that every recipe that we can use some of our own produce or stuff I grew, it gives me value when we use local produce it gives you value because oftentimes we're using the resources that you have provided that is the truth yes 
But the secondary value, and this is a point I'll make about the long distance sausage, is that yes, it's just a sausage taco. But in that sausage taco is onion, bell pepper, other kinds of peppers, garlic, and then don't skimp on your fixins. Mm-hmm. More lettuce, mm-hmm. tomato, maybe some chopped onion. So you're getting nutrients from We're, all the different And vegetables. that's what the boys expect from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, those, it's I call them hidden, but they're hidden in plain sight. Yes. Putting more nutrition into your body all of the time. So the masala... Yep tomato i mean I'll, i could mm-hmm. list the vegetables that mm-hmm. you use to create it but also add some butternut squash in there and the only processing to it is heat mm-hmm. that's just better for you it's just better for you better flavor profiles too like you have heights of flavors when you add different types of textures and flavor to things you know that's the thing that i appreciate very much about foods from other countries and other cultures that is a problem with american food what, what do you mean We don't tend to be very resourceful, meaning that the idea of snout to tail, we're going to use every part of that animal and make sure that all of it gets eaten because we're not going to see another animal for, you know, however long. Is it because of our wealth? What what is the reason why we learn? Yeah, convenience. That's it. You're talking about like going to the grocery store and going to the chicken section and just buying breasts? Kind of, but I'm also talking about the idea that we're going to learn to use the fish water that's in the bucket because that's a resource that mm-hmm. is available to mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. That And so in other cultures, they use all the parts. And so their flavor profiles of their foods are so much more dynamic. Intense. Yeah, yeah. Our foods are kind of bland because it's like there's a slab of, meat, of steak. Two slab pieces of bread. You know, a potato. Do you ever just want the bland though? Well, you know, interestingly, we talked about this last night a little bit when we were talking about that apparently Luby's is liquidating. Yeah, it's a big and I'm cafeteria actually, chain. I can't think of a chain restaurant or box store that you have named recently that is going out of business or has gone out of business that I have cared two shits about. Mm-hmm. When you told me Luby's was liquidating, I was like, oh, no, that's terrible news. Now, what is it about that chain that makes it a I negative. I don't know. I have memories. I have, yeah, I have good, comfortable memories. And so when you ask, when is the bland food good? When is the American diet, the cafe, the lunch line, you know, Luby's, man, Luby's. Because at Luby's, I'm going to get delicious black eyed peas. And they are, those are some basic black eyed peas. And I'm going to get delicious fried okra. And those are some basic fried okra. And I'm going to get a delicious hamburger steak. I mean, you know, like that's what I'm going to get. Although I would never eat a hamburger steak there now. I'm going to get their veggie plate. I'm going to get a chocolate icebox cake. Oh, at the Not end, at the end of the line? Chocolate icebox pie. I'm going to get chicken fried steak when I go to Luby's. I love Luby's. All of my grandmother's And I know it's not even a great chicken fried steak. You're absolutely right. To me, it's great. Like when I go, it wasn't even that long ago that I went and ate at Luby's. and was like, this is great. I love Luby's. That was the uh, couple of months that we worked real close to one another. Right. And there was a Luby's right near our offices. Right. Hmm. Even your mom went with us. That was before the pandemic. (laughs) Table topics. It is my turn to ask you. Table topics. I have picked. Table topics. Table topics. Table topics. Can I? <laughs> I've chosen from the general category. Yeah, because I've loved the what would you do questions so much. <laughs> what would you most like to know about the future? What would I most like to know about the future? That's what I said. Huh. 
would I most like to know about the future? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't want to know anything from the future. What about your own personal path? No. No, I don't want to be prescribed anything. I don't want to be fearful that that I didn't live up to some whatever, you know, or, or that I might not live. Because I don't believe in predestination. I don't believe that you have a destiny. I believe you have a blueprint. You believe in sliding doors? Yes. Mm-hmm. I believe in sliding doors. I believe that you came to the earth at a very specific time to a very specific set of parents within a very specific bubble because that's what you you desired to come to the earth for. And then beyond that, you create your own reality. And if you choose this, then this is likely the reality you're going to create. If you choose this, this is likely the reality you're going to create. But even the movement of a butterfly can shift all of reality. Have you ever gotten into a fender bender and you said, if I had just left the house 30 seconds earlier or 30 seconds later, this intersection would not have occurred? Of course. But I also believe that you've already, like, th- that intersection is going to occur whether that one happened or whether a different one happens. Perhaps. So, because you've, the collision to begin with was created because of the energy that two people put into the universe and you were going to collide with that person or something like that, regardless of mm-hmm. what timing you're in. My point with the example is that when we get done recording and I leave to go back to work, if I delay 10 seconds before I leave, something different's going to happen in the parallel lines of potential future. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We recently on Beer in a Movie watched Looper. I had never seen it. Hmm. It's a time travel movie. And this is the entire movie is if their time travel exists, When you go back in time, back to the future, it's all the same thing. When you go back in time, you can change the course of the potential future, the alternative lines of future that exist available to us right now. That's exactly what's happening in Umbrella Academy season two. That's exactly what's happening. Well, there are no new ideas. the (laughs) the, The end of the world is coming whether you go this way or that way, but what does it look like? And when does it come? And what can we do to shift it? Oh, crap. Now we shifted it over here. We don't want that end of the, we don't want that version of the end of the world we want. And ultimately what they're trying to do is create a no end of the world, like shift shift the timelines to create no end of the world. Sure. Would I like that show? I don't know. I like it. It's pretty good. Although I did, I, I don't watch TV anymore. I watch YouTube. I don't think that I care to know much about the future if i could see it in a crystal ball or whatever it is i am curious to know but during that first episode we did when corona popped Mm -hmm. i said this is a social disease Mm -hmm. will our society do what is right as a society to minimize the effects and you said probably not do you remember yeah, and also the you government can't is too the... big yeah. to be nimble enough right. for something that's popped up out of nowhere. Right. We're too ingrained in our history. I believe that the thing that will pop up out of nowhere is going to be environment related in the future. And some might say that Corona is environment related. But do we as a society get our shit together enough? to tackle some of the issues that are really going to hurt our great-grandkids if we don't begin taking them seriously. Mm, I don't think so. But I don't need to look at a crystal ball to see. It's not going to make me happier or sad. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. The only reason you would want to see the future is that if you're scared of the future. Mm -hmm. And I'm not scared of the future. I'm not scared that my grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren aren't going to have an earth to live on. It'll be a different earth, but they're going to have an earth to live on.
Bitty, bitty, dumb, dumb. (laughs) Bitty, bitty, dumb, dumb. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. It was good because we talked about Lily's Selena shirt. I like that. Mm -hmm. We talk about you every week, by the way. Mm Mm-hmm. We talked about your Selena shirt. What? The Selena shirt that you wore and they told you at school you couldn't wear it. We talked about that. I love you, chicken butt.